Welcome to the Secrets Women Keep podcast. I am your secret keeper and confidant, Lauren White. I'm a qualified counsellor and sexologist, madam of a secret society, author of Permission, and a witty, highly intuitive lounge room dancing introvert. I help you as an exceptional woman in entrepreneurship to see, love, and trust all the parts of yourself, especially the unseen. Let's pull back the curtain, light the candelabra, and remove the mask. These are the secrets women keep. Hello, and welcome to the Secrets Women Keep podcast. I'm your host and confidant, Lauren White, and today we have a very exciting guest. Her name is Tracy Harris. Tracy is the CEO of Mums with Hustle online community and education platform for mums in business, creator of the online Instagram course, hashtag hustle, and founder of the online marketing academy, the Social Method Society. She's fiercely dedicated to supporting big-hearted women wanting to design their life first and business second by harnessing the superpower of Instagram as part of a complete digital strategy one that aligns with who they are at their core and one that sees them creating their own version of success. I'm very fortunate to have known Tracy for almost four years now. Interestingly enough, I saw her handle on Instagram and immediately something in my soul said, follow her. Not long after we worked out, we were both very familiar with the town of Camden, which is where I grew up. I was on her podcast as a guest and I purchased her Instagram audit to up my Instagram. And over the years, we've had a little exchange in the DMs and in real life. She's a soul sister and she just keeps getting better and more powerful and brighter and hotter. Tracy, welcome to the podcast. Oh, I'm just actually feeling really hot now. After that intro. I love that intro. Thank you, Lauren. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. And um, yeah, I feel like we were destined to meet. So I'm just super grateful for all of the connection that we've had over the past four years. How special is that? Yeah, yeah. That's the power of Instagram, right? If it wasn't for Instagram, I probably wouldn't like I maybe would have seen something on Facebook at some point or seen your group, like, but that's more of a, that feels like more of a maybe to me. It really was the power of Instagram and being able to comment on photos and DM and have that relationship that really makes the difference. And that's what you, like, you are the one that first taught me about Instagram, like, oh, follow these people and comment and do these actions. And at first I was like, was like what I follow people in my community and like what like I I seriously didn't when I did one of your challenges years ago I was like oh but is that like does that feel is that what you do on Instagram is that does that feel real does that feel genuine and I just like investigated and over the years I just went oh my god I get what you're talking about like I just I just got it and I was just like oh she was right she was right and it was just my own like I guess my own learning curve with Instagram to go, oh, you can make it a genuine, authentic place to converse with people and connect. Oh, I love that little bit of insight, Lauren. I don't even, like we've shared so much with each other over the years, but I don't think I knew that. So thanks for sharing that. And it's so true because for me, if I just say, well, what would marketing on Instagram look like if my purpose was to build community and connection. And I, like with those two words at the heart of everything, then it looks like starting conversations with people, asking people how they feel, commenting back on their questions and their posts, looking at hashtags that I feel like people within a similar niche or industry would be using so I can connect and engage on their content. And all of a sudden, it's not about me, but it's about we. Yeah. And so like when someone has that shift in perspective or belief or energy, whatever you want to call it, suddenly so much more is possible. Um, So yeah, I'm so glad you've had that epiphany, but you had that epiphany so long ago. I just love seeing how you show up on the gram. Oh, thank you. That means a lot. That means a lot. 
Now, here on the Secrets Women Keep podcast, we go deep pretty quickly. I am a big fan of going deep, as you're probably aware. And the first thing I always ask my guests is about the bathroom stall moments in life. Now, I define a bathroom stall moment as one in which you're trying to hold it all together as everything feels like it's falling apart. Like there's ugly crying and it's not coming out and like you just you want to be seen in some way but simultaneously you just want to be invisible and curl up have you ever had a bathroom stall moment in your life and feel free to substitute it with um the car or when you're in the office or when you're in the stairwell any of those places okay well i've got a really fresh one for you Mm. um from last week in fact And this one took place at the gym. So for me, um, about 18 months ago, I was in Canada at a retreat hosted by my mentor, sitting in like a U-shape of a really beautiful venue alongside my peers. And one thing that we had to kind of journal it was kind of, it was the end of the retreat. So we we're kind of journaling, like, what are three goals or three things that you really want to change or activate in your life? And one of them was to go to the gym again. Um, side note, prior to becoming a mom almost seven years ago, I loved the gym. Like, it was a passion for me to the point that I thought about doing a Les Mills like training thing just for fun because I was going to the gym anyway, sometimes doing double like classes back to back and just loving it. I was like, oh, well, and I actually really love teaching and motivating people. So I was like, okay, I should just teach the class, get paid to be there. How fun. Um, I never ended up doing that. Uh, but the point is I loved the gym so much. It was a huge part of my life and a hobby even. And then I became a mom and I, um, I mean, there were some valid reasons for why I couldn't return to the gym at in some seasons of that motherhood journey. Um, and then there were also just a whole lot of excuses and fears as well and mum guilt and all sorts of things. But about 18 months ago, I wrote down in the journal that I will, I want to return back to the gym and I want to feel strong. Like I want to feel strong in my core. I want to be able to be there just to challenge my own mindset. And I want, want to be able to be there guilt-free. And uh, I went to the gym. I started back at the gym in about August of 2020. So kind of just as the gyms were all starting to open back up, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the gym. And I pre-bought myself like a bundle of like 20, maybe more personal training sessions. And I booked in so that I was going twice a week, each week. And I loved it. I started to feel strong little bit of mum guilt creeping in there, especially those first few times, but it was okay. Navigated that. And I'm feeling so much stronger. I then set a goal with my trainer. He was like, what is something that you want to work on? And for me, it was, well, if I can get back to doing pull-ups, which is something I used to be able to do, and made me feel really fiery and badass for doing that in the gym. I was like, if I can get back to that, I will be shocked. That's what I said. And he was like, shocked. He's like, we, we can get you back to that. Okay, that's your goal. Let's say five pull-ups, unassisted, just going mm-hmm. for it like a machine. And I was like, okay, cool. So for the last few months, I have been on a little program to get me back to doing these unassisted pull-ups. And last week was my day to actually try to do them. So part of the program was not to do, not like I wasn't training to actually do them. I was doing air, all of the pre-work. Everything else was pre-work. But last week on Thursday was my day to actually do it, to give it a crack and see if the pre-work has worked. And so my two male trainers were there. Uh, they said, you can invite your husband along to come and watch and bring your boys, bring your boys along. So I had my full cheer squad there. All of this male energy, young male energy, older male energy, they were all there. And I just stepped off my little step and I did it. I did two and a half unassisted pull-ups and they were so excited and I was so excited. And as soon as that was over, I realized 
that for me, that bathroom stall moment was in my vulnerability of letting people see me do something that was challenging in front of them and um, possibly having people see me struggle Mm. or fail and not be able to do one at all. Mm. And that was the biggest thing. The high didn't come from me doing these pull-ups. The high came from, oh my gosh, I've just shared a huge part of me which has held me back since my earliest memories, Yeah. Um, which is this vulnerability of being seen to not be perfect or not be a high achiever yeah. um, or struggle, like to find something difficult. And like that, that last half, like I was hanging and like shaking, my whole body was shaking, like my legs, everything. And I was trying so hard and I pulled a face and I made a sound. And I was like, even that was big. That was vulnerability for me yeah. because in the past, Lauren, I would have not attempted the last half a pull-up because I didn't want anyone to see my body shake. I didn't want to have to grunt. I didn't want to have to pull a face that wasn't pretty. Mm-hmm. Like, but I was doing the, like, you know, like I was like really going for it. I was that chick. The, I was so proud. I let people see me like that. So, you know, and then my mentor, I shared this with my mentor and he was just like my, my business mentor. And he was like, you have set a new standard for yourself. You know, and that will have a ripple effect in all areas of your life, not just at the gym, not even just in your business, but you have literally shed that now and you've created a new standard. Yeah. And he was just, I'm so proud of you, buddy. Like, I'm so freaking proud of you. And I was like, yes. (laughs) So, yeah, that's just a little bit vulnerability issues for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think so many listeners will relate to that. So many listeners will relate to what you said about it being such a big deal to be seen in another light, to to have to hold it together usually in every single facet of your life and to break through that by choosing to step forward, to take off that mask and have people not just see you in a different state, but hear you. The sound piece is a really big one for women. Women do not usually feel comfortable making uh, uh, any sort of like grunting, ooh, ah, uh, anything that isn't speech, women usually don't feel comfortable with. That's I didn't even experience. know that. I did not yeah. know that. That's a breakthrough for me here. It's a big, the sound is a big, the sound is a big breakthrough. That's what I heard when I was listening to you speak, that it wasn't just about the visual, but it was about the auditory as well. And that whole picture together of a certain face and a sound is, it's vulnerability. It's like birth. If you, you're someone who's birthed, um, birthed two children, that vulnerability of like being in your body and making those sounds and pulling those faces it's what you did was another form of birth yes I gave birth to my badass self yeah yeah (laughs) fuck yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) oh I'm loving that that. (laughs) because I just I just never really say like even now I I don't say the f word or anything like that (laughs) and so now I know Lauren's like oh okay that's that's something we can work on no You don't have to, though. This is like complete permission to be you, but I'm pretty certain that this podcast is going to come with that little E next to it. Oh, okay. Pretty sure that's going to happen. But um, so, Tracy, you have worked with a lot of women, particularly women who identify as mothers. What is one secret that connects all of these women together? Ooh, one secret that really unifies us. Mm. I just feel like we have this deep sense that we were made for more. It's good, yeah. And then it's like, but how can I feel that when society says that this is like motherhood is all I should ever want or it should be enough or am I a good mum if I still want more? Like how can I have this and still feel a bit unfulfilled? Is that okay? Am I broken? Like that that's something that I feel deeply that a lot of us connect over that. And, yeah, so, you know, whether it's your business or it's a career, it's okay to want more because you were literally made for more. Like mm. you were made 
to not have a limit placed on anything mm. that like life is not made with with a limit or a glass ceiling so it's a natural thing that has actually been placed there and don't question it like what if you just lent in and lived it yeah 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 gosh you're so you're so on the mark there that 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 being made for more i think so many women will connect with that whether you're whether you're a mother or not um you just you just have this innate knowing that you're made for more and sometimes you can't or what i've what i've witnessed in women what i've experienced myself is you can't quite it's not quite tangible all the time but you just know you just know that something's bigger than this and or bigger than you or bigger than your home ecosystem and that's no discredit to your home or your family or your life it doesn't mean that they're not enough or all of that's not enough it's just that in living in an end universe we can love and appreciate all of that and still have all of that power inside of us so I love that you referenced that um that that knowing that there's more yeah there's so much more and like don't let anyone ever make you feel like you just have to fit into a box. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm just sending like the biggest spiritual hugs to all of the yeah. ladies listening. Like yeah. I just hope, like I truly am. Like don't ever let anyone tell you that you can just operate or think or be or do in like this little box because yeah. you you are made for more. Like you are made with infinite, infinite amounts of love and potential that, like, we can't even grasp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, so, and it should make your heart feel like, oh my gosh, like because that is that is the energy of love. Yeah, you should feel something. You should feel moved by how big your vision is. You should feel, and dare I say, I'm, you know. I'm going to take it one step further. You should sometimes feel a bit sick about how big your vision is. It should make you feel something very uncomfortable at times for how much it is that you, um, how much it is that you want to achieve. Doesn't mean that you need to know what is coming or what it's going to look like or how it's going to unfold, but it should, it should make you make your body react and respond yeah. when that when that vision and that dream comes through. Yeah, because it is your birthright to be able to expand in all of these mm. types of ways. Like, and it almost feels like a responsibility once you know it. It's like, I think that's almost where it's a bit confronting because then you can kind of, when you bring that awareness to it, you can kind of be like, oh, I have been playing a bit small. Yeah. Or I have been fearing what other people think. Yeah. Um, but then the exciting bit is you get to choose to do something about it. So, yeah. Yep, and you can choose at any moment in time. There is no, like, when Mercury retrogrades over or when it's a full moon or when it's, like, when when term one starts back at school, like, none of that. You have your own soul time and you can just decide. That's, I think that's one of the most powerful things about this life and that's, you know, we'll delve more into this, but that's exactly what Tracy did when it came to her work. She decided and now she has something that impacts so many lives, but I'm doing a bit of a spoiler alert. So (laughs) Tracy, you emigrated from South Africa to Australia during apartheid when you were a child. Can you share a little bit with us about what you remember of that time? Yeah, sure. So I was there for my first five years of life um, and I just have the best memories. Like I just have the most loving family uh, when we immigrated, it was just us that came to Australia. No one was already here and nobody ever followed us. So mm. all of, you know, the grandparents, the cousins, the mum and dad's lifelong friends, like everybody was there, all of the aunties and uncles. Um, so, yeah, I grew up being super, super close with all of those people for the first five years of my life. But for anybody that doesn't know, the apartheid era you can also just have a little Google. I think it is something in world history that everybody should know about um, because people are often shocked when they discover that someone of my age grew up under a legalised system of like radical racism and injustice. So basically I was born into a country that legalised racial segregation 
um, based on skin colour. And so, you know, I was a coloured person. I was identified as um, a cape coloured. And so that was on my birth certificate as well. Um, Other people were identified as being white or being black. And so that would then determine where you could live, like where your parents could buy a house or uh, what beaches you could go to, what playgrounds you could go to, uh, what buses or trains you could get, um, that type of legalised and enforced racial segregation. So that was the world that I was born into. I was also very privy, like South Africa, um, definitely has first world parts to it and then very third world parts to it. So growing up in the suburbs, in a in a coloured suburb, I would every day have people knock at the front door, little children about my age, I was four, five years old, knocking at the door asking for um, food. That was very, very normal. So I grew up for the first five years of my life always seeing either my mum or my grandmother who would be looking after me when mum returned to work, um, keeping the ends of the loaves of our bread, putting some jam or some butter or whatever we had and keeping that for when that knock would happen on the door, which was certain. Mm. And I would go to the door and I would give them the bread or yell out to my ma, which is my grandma, and just say, oh, ma, you know, the, the people are here or someone's here and they'd like some food. and. And so we would go, like, that was just so, that was my everyday. And it kind of, um, like, it's it's a little hard to imagine my boys, like my youngest mm. is four, going, never is someone going to knock at our front door and send their child forward to come and knock and ask for bread while, you know, mum waited up the road a bit and kind of, um, you know, hit around the corner. Yeah, so uh, it was a very unique um, experience, mm. but I'm very grateful for the lessons that it kind of taught me as well. And I just try to share as many of those with with our boys as possible. Mm. Yeah, incredible. So um, I was wondering, thank you for sharing all of that. It's really powerful and moving, moving and very sobering as well. I think growing uh, as someone who grew up in Australia who didn't have those experiences I think it's still really easy to lose sight of uh, the systems here and the privileges and the benefits and to focus on some of the small stuff and get really caught up in some of that and to lose sight of what it's like to be in for so many people around the world, billions of people around the world, to be in a form of survival mode, genuine survival mode. Um, so thank you for, yeah, for sharing your story with us and your experiences. I'm just wondering, when you came to Australia, did you have to conceal your identity as a mixed-race child? Uh, I didn't have to. But I wanted to, <laughs> interestingly mm. enough. Mm. I remember starting kindergarten here because I didn't have, like I was in primary school age when I was in South Africa. I started kindergarten here in Australia. And I just remember instantly mimicking the Australian accent, instantly, like on day one. I was like, oh, I don't sound like these people. They have a different way of speaking, so I'm just going to speak like them. And I think my I, I just faked it the whole time during, you know, that nine till three and it wasn't very long at all when it was just my accent and we'd call South Africa, we'd speak to the grandparents and they'd be like, oh, my goodness, Tracy fully sounds like an Australian. What happened? And then like, but my parents still had their accent um, and it was because I made a decision to just sound like the people around me. Mm. To fit in, to belong. Yeah, totally. And I just observed, I was just a very perceptive child. I look yeah. back now and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Um, but I saw that people were having like Vegemite on their sandwich. I even remember going to my mom because for the first two months we actually lived in a spare room with like some people that they knew, just like a friend of a friend. Like we kind of lived with them for 
Uh, actually, we lived with them for a couple of weeks just while we were trying to find our own house to rent. And I remember coming back and I was like, oh, everyone's got this brown stuff on their sandwich. Can I have that too? Little Tracy. And my mum was like, what is that? I was like, I don't know what it's called, but it's brown. And then she's like, oh, I don't know. You're going to have to ask, you know, the person that we lived with. So, and they were like, oh, it's Vegemite. They're having Vegemite. (laughs) So then they gave me the Vegemite test on the spoon and thought that was hilarious. So little five-year-old Tracy had a teaspoon of Vegemite. And I was like, this is what they're eating. And then they they laughed and they were like, no, if you just put a little bit on and you've got to have butter and your bread's got to be really fresh and then it's palatable, but it's really not gourmet. But I loved it. I think I told myself that I loved it. So I loved it on my sandwich every day for probably about a year. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. Looking back, do you think that was you like telling yourself that you loved it? Was that you trying to affirm your place in Australia, your own child version of finding yourself in Australia? Yeah. I was definitely assimilating into the culture Mm -hmm. that was around me. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, I have to speak like that, eat that food, like 100%. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Do you think that coming from a country that was experiencing racism and segregation on that level, did witnessing that contribute to your own sense of optimism as you grew up and and now as a woman that you knew firsthand how fractured things could be? Oh, yeah, 100%. I could very much see um, racism even here in Australia and mm-hmm. felt it mm-hmm. a lot of the time. And still I can see it and I feel it even in business and entrepreneurship. Um, but a, a lot from people that aren't even aware, like they don't even really understand. So, you know, um, and then a lot of people are just aware. Mm. So. Yeah, 100%. Sorry. Feel yeah. free to repeat the question. If yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I was just, yeah, my, something I've always wondered about you is the way, whether part of your, if anyone doesn't realize Tracy's superpower is that she's incredibly optimistic and has this can do attitude and this expanse, very, very expansive vision and attitude towards things. And I wondered, when I sat down to prepare for our talk together, I kind of wondered, oh, is some of that fueled by the fact that you have been in those circumstances that are so challenging and so dire and are centred around survival mode? Does that give you the perspective that you can be more optimistic? Whereas I know some other people would just use that and use that as their fuel to be negative and peg, peg like, and justified in doing so, but like negative and pessimistic and not grow and just kind of stay in the past. Like, do you think your your upbringing, the first five years in particular, contributes to your sense of optimism? I do. I really do. And I feel like, um, you know, through the interactions that I had with my family uh, within those real formative years, And then also just in knowing what Nelson Mandela went through, who was, you know, really led the resistance against apartheid and then ended up becoming imprisoned for decades and then ended up becoming the president of the country um, that had him imprisoned. Like that is a remarkable story and I just draw so much strength even from that. And so one of the greatest the greatest lessons that I've learned from that, from my experience with the beautiful family that I'm so blessed to have, and then through what the country has gone through and Nelson Mandela's leadership and learning about his life, is that I am not my circumstances. Mm. Like I am so much bigger than what is happening around me. So my identity is not in where I work or what I do or the Mm. friends I have or the house I have or the suburb I'm in or the chaos that's even happening around me, the the franticness at the supermarket to get all the toilet paper. Like I am not any of that. Like I am my own being. And so I, I feel like I have been able to 
And it hasn't been easy. I feel like it was a seed that was there, but I've had to bring it out through a lot of deep work myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am my own being. Like I do spend a lot of time just being inward in my own self rather than outside of myself, which is when I think we can tend to get swept up in the the goings-on of everything else outside of us. Mm. Mm. I love that. It's necessary. It's ne- it's necessary to be selective about your energy and what comes in and what goes out. And yeah, I really appreciate how you touched on that that knowing of yourself because it could you could get caught up in everything else out there. And if you did as someone who's such a leader, then everyone that follows you would probably feel that as well. They'd feel that sense of um, know, disconnection within you if your energy was going out to all these different things and you weren't spending that really valuable quality time with yourself. So that is an, like that's a really, really wise, smart way of moving in this world. You can still care, you can still give, you can still be generous you can also be selective and discerning about it so that you don't get lost in the process of that. Yeah, absolutely. Like I think especially as women, one of our greatest Mm. natural attributes is our ability to have empathy and build relationships, but that doesn't mean that you also have to get like pulled into other people's stuff. Mm. And that is something that I'm really learning and working on. I'm actually um, doing an online program at the moment to take my energy management of self and others even to another level because like I'm always learning. But, you know, every, every single one of us is a leader. Every single one of us is a leader to somebody, whether you have a business or not. Like you're a leader in your own family unit. You're a leader in your own community. You're a um a leader in your own, like if you belong to a church or an organization, you're a leader there. Like people are always looking to you. So, you know, I do feel like every everything, it sounds so cliche, but everything is like already within us. We really have yeah. to move to that. And then people are perceptive. Um, I do believe that everything is energy. And so how you're feeling within your own self radiates outward to everybody else mm-hmm. yeah and that's what people can feel you know when you're um even people that say uh you know that's like I don't believe in that or whatever it's like well you do you do believe in energy because I can guarantee everybody's gone to a restaurant before and then kind of felt like oh I don't really want to be here yeah like the vibe is a bit off and then you're like oh you have that moment where you have to choose like am I going to sit down and actually order or am I going to be bold enough to just put the menu back and go oh no thanks and like actually leave yeah yeah like that's energy that's you not really like you're not feeling it in that moment so it is okay to get up and leave yeah yeah and there's such deep learnings in that if you do follow your own green light rather than be like I'm just going to push through because it's for the approval of other people or I said I'd follow through in this way or I said I'd do this and it's just, yeah, it's in your highest good if in that moment you feel your energy and you do something else because how everything plays out from that moment probably isn't going to be all that enjoyable or pleasurable anyway if you're in a place where you're and in a place internally and externally where you're just not feeling it. Totally. And so for me, what I've been really working on over the last, I don't know, several years is choosing how I want to feel, you know, and really just understanding that most people and even myself, like the majority of my life, and even in many instances in my day, I will let something happen to me, um, air quotes there, and then that dictates how I feel. And it's like, no, actually, I have the power to choose how I feel first and then that will result in different things happening Ooh. around me. So it's like, yeah, but most of us, most of us just kind of go through in this reactive, passive state. Yes. Like this yeah. will happen to me and then, oh, now I feel like this. And it's like, yeah. well, what if 
what if you could master how you want to feel first and then shift how the whole day happens as a result of that? Like that is super cool. Like that's powerful to me. Yes. Yeah. Incredibly powerful. That's your word of the year, isn't it? Is it power? It's my word of the year. Powerful. (laughs) Powerful. Yes. Yes. Hence why why I'm even doing this, this course that I'm doing. Um, because I was like, I have to back it up with action. I can't say my word is powerful and then, you know, like not do something. Mm. Oh yeah. It's a doing word. It's a doing, it's a doing word. It's not, yeah, it's not, it's not a pretty Instagram, like, you know, design is it? It's a, it's a doing word and it's powerful can get gritty and it can get raw and it can be going back to your, bathroom store moment it can be those moments that that to me is a much more powerful moment than something pretty on social media that sounds far more aligned with power than oh yeah and I yeah. felt so alive yes when I especially when the noises kicked in and the face yeah. <laughs> yes I love it I love it I live for all this stuff um so Mm. your father sadly passed away when you were 18 at a really pivotal point in any student's journey which in Australia is year 12 you um shared on another podcast that you worked hard and you went on to become a teacher and moved into the echelons of leadership what a lot of people might not know is that your exit from teaching really fueled you to use your talents and to do your own thing People might not also realise about you, Tracy, is that your exit with was fraught with anxiety and you've referenced anxiety in your posts over the years and um, on days that centre around mental health matters. Did you have to keep that anxiety a secret? I didn't have to, but I did. Mm-hmm. And um, so, I, like, it actually was happening in the workplace even two years before I actually raised it as a thing. Like if you can imagine, and my psychologist explained this to me, it's like getting a bottle of soft drink or fizzy drink and you shake it, you know, like it's eventually going to explode. Mm -hmm. Well, people only knew about my anxiety and about the treatment that I'd been experiencing when I did return to work once my bottle of fizzy drink exploded yeah because I didn't tell anybody what I was experiencing um from others around me and how it made me feel and I didn't talk about the anxiety and again for me it comes back to that vulnerability I didn't want to be seen as suffering Mm. or struggling or um I didn't want to be seen as like a victim Um, And so I just kind of protected that person that was, you know, behaving in that way that made me feel harassed or unsupported as a mother returning to work. And I just kept that really quiet. Every awkward conversation, every little dig or belittlement, like I just internalised all of it and tried to rationalise all of it uh, to protect them, yes, because I I didn't want any awkwardness or anything Mm -hmm. like that. But really, in getting to know myself over the years, I was doing it to protect myself because I didn't want to get be seen in that way. But I'm so glad I'm so like so far past that and even still continuing to get over it, even with last week and doing the pull-ups and having that exercise of vulnerability in front of people. So, you know, I understand everyone's got their own struggles. But this, you know, I talk about my anxiety on my platform because I know a lot of my audience has experienced anxiety in one way or another. And if they haven't, it's unfortunate that they most likely will. Mm. Even even anxiety around putting your face out there and humanizing Mm. a brand and being on camera, a lot of people can assume that it's super easy for me and must have always been easy. And it's like, no, actually at the beginning, like the first the first two years were probably the most difficult because I was at the same time I was also battling anxiety. So, but but I got through it, and so I share that because I want people to know 
that they can get through it too. Or you can do things despite your anxiety. Mm, Yeah, really powerful. And it doesn't have to make sense to other people. Mm. I even had it, you know, brought up and questioned, um, you know, oh, you say that you have anxiety, but we see you doing this online. And so it's just like, oh, my gosh. Now, then you feel like you have to go slip into justification. You don't have to. No. And so, you know, when it comes to anything like mental health or um, it doesn't look how you want it to look. It Mm. It doesn't take one form for everybody. It just is what it is and it's a very real thing. So, again, you are made for more. Don't make anyone make you feel like you're not. And don't make anyone ever make you feel like your mental health concerns aren't valid because it doesn't match what they think it should look like. Yeah. 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 Most, most definitely. Yeah. Just, yeah. If you can rewind that and listen to it again, it does not, your mental health concerns do not have to look like anything. They don't have to be expressed in a certain way. And just because you're not completely debilitated by something doesn't mean that you're not experiencing or battling something. So you can, and I know this as an entrepreneur, you can be having some really challenging personal times but still be showing up in your own aligned way online and in your work. And that's just part of the that's part of the juggling act. It's about knowing in what ways you can still show up for your work, show up online in integrity and, like Tracy said, in spite of anxiety, in spite of depression, in spite of stress. Yeah, 100%. You can show up in spite of all of those Mm. things. And there may be many people listening to this episode identifying with that and, you know, maybe you've had it questioned and if so, like I'm... My heart goes out to you because I know that that is that is incredibly um, incredibly difficult and hurtful and often traumatizing. But it's okay for you to find solace in other things. So for me, I found purpose and solace in showing up. Mm. I had a question. Was like, oh my gosh, like, am I supposed to lose that too? Like, am I supposed to not do that now too? And then. I would be completely like stripped of anything that that was a light because serving mm. is a light, like it makes me feel good. I loved mm. it. It was very healing for me. So super grateful that I had a therapist that could say, no, you showing up in this way or you building this online community because at the time I had I didn't have any products. I wasn't monetizing. I was just mm. building a platform. Um you know, she was like, if that's energizing you, it's actually healing for you. So keep doing it. Actually do it more because it's medicine for you. And so I was like, okay, like it was. And so I just went all in. <laughs> oh, that's, it's really interesting you say that. My one, my next question was going to be like, how did you, how did you give your give that anxiety permission to become something so generative? And I feel like you've already answered that. And it just really highlights that you can use the energy of anxiety. You can use the energy of depression. You can use the energy of stress or anything else that you might be struggling with as you're out in a way. Like it doesn't have to be the energy of that mental struggle doesn't have to be a dead end. It can be fuel for something hopefully not forever hopefully it it augments into something far more productive but um yeah it's an incredible way to use to use that energy yeah and I'm so I'm so in awe of how you used it yeah I'm just like by the grace of God I'm so glad I just did because it it did feel like it's easier just to not like just to fall back into the you know, the people pleasing or do what's expected. And this is ruffling feathers. Don't do that. So just, you know, suppress that. But I didn't. And I'm just really, yeah, I don't know. I'm so proud of my past self because I just know how hard it was for her. Yeah. 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 And 
for anyone listening that hasn't done this before, feeling back into your past self or even writing a letter. I've done that before, writing letter to writing letters to my past self and saying, thank you so much for all the hard yards. Thank you for making this brave decision is incredibly helpful to start to help you integrate your own experiences and journey and to acknowledge yourself. It's a big it's a big piece missing from women's identities is this self-acknowledgement piece. Like we know that we do things like, I know I did this. I know I got that award. I know I kicked ass at this. I know I did made this amount or, or whatnot, but it's still not quite the same as acknowledgement. So if you can take a moment and sit down and just verbally thank your past self um, or write a letter to her, it can be a really cathartic experience. Oh, I love that advice, Lauren. Like that's a beautiful exercise to do. Mm-hmm. And I get so energized when I hear women say, oh, I'm so proud of myself because mm-hmm. we're taught, you know, we're conditioned to not be proud or be mm-hmm. boastful or um, toot your own horn. Yeah. And like it is a lovely thing to honor the journey. When you, when you share a win, or a milestone, or when you celebrate something, an achievement, um, that is honouring the journey. Mm. And all of, it's not about like shouting out that single incident of, oh, I got this award, or oh, I did the pull-ups at the gym. It's honouring the journey of all of the little decisions that you made along the way to be able to get to that point. And it feels good and good feelings attract more good things. Otherwise, mm. the opposite of honouring the journey and the opposite of feeling proud is to feel, you know, shame or to hide. Like it's a negative feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And so then, you're, then you find yourself stuck in a negativity loop versus the positivity loop, which is when you show up, you show gratitude, you honour the journey, you you know, you celebrate that you're now doing something that you once thought was hard or impossible Mm. for you. You're now saying, you know, I've done this. You've like what my mentor said to me, you know, you've set a new standard for yourself. And that is a really great thing. Like when did that ever stop being great? You know, we celebrate our kids getting a merit award at school (laughs) and, you know, them making it through to the next level of sport or public speaking or whatever. But for ourselves, like at some point along the line, we got told, you know, it's not nice to acclaim those things. And Mm. it's just like, no, especially as women, like let's celebrate our journey. Let's celebrate the things that we're doing because it makes space for other people to do those things and to celebrate too. Yeah. Yeah. And for anyone who for some reason, has not followed Tracy before. You will definitely now. Tracy is the queen of celebrating other women and showcasing other women and their achievements and really highlighting that there's enough, so there's so much space out there and there's so much space for uh, for expansion and growth and that we can all do it and we can all lift each other up and show each other that it can be done. Yes, I love International Women's Day, but let's make every day be like that. Yeah. You know, you know that lovely feeling at like at Christmas, that festive, everyone wants to go out, everyone's doing random acts of kindness. And it's like if I could bottle that Christmas feeling, if people could just be like that all year round. Yeah. It's just, I get that I get that thought with International Women's Day. I'm like oh, can't we just like support each other and be fearless and unapologetic and champion each other on our platforms unconditionally without expectation just because every day? Like that is what I want Mums with Hustle to be and that's what I've always made it be from the the get-go and that's what I, I am trying to always remember. Like it's rooted in that. Mm. So 100%, like let's fly our own flags, but then let's fly flags for each other too. Yes, yes. International Women's Day every day. Yes. (laughs) 
Um, speaking of women, you have a vast community of women around you that also no doubt have been through their own journeys with their identities and businesses. What difference has holding your community made to you personally in the last five years or so? Oh, I just draw so much strength from all of them, Lauren. Mm. Like, I don't know if everyone's going to believe this or not, um, but even... <laughs> Even when giving birth to my second son, I felt upheld and supported by my own community. Like I didn't put on Instagram that I'm going into the hospital now. I didn't even do any of that. I just could tap into the collective energy of what it means to have a circle of women. Like they didn't even know, but I could just feel like I was just channeling their strength, their bravery and how they show up in this world every day, their tenacity, their energy of just how they are as mothers. Like I just, I found so much energy and strength in that. Mm. So I'm drawing strength from this community that I've built just as much as what, like people message me and say, thank you. And And I love those messages. Like there's nothing better than hearing like client feedback or customer feedback or a podcast listener saying, I got so much out of that. Like just like everyone, if you're a business owner here, you'll know what I mean. Like you never get sick of it. It's the best. But I wonder if these individuals know how much strength I genuinely draw from all of them as well. So, Mm. yeah, I love them. Yeah. (laughs) I can feel it. I can feel it. And it's almost like I get this visual of like this this beautiful flow between you and your clients and the women in your community. It just keeps flowing and growing and flowing and growing and and um yeah, it's un unstoppable. Um, Tracy, I've got one kind of bigger question for you before I do a couple of quick shoot questions. We've talked a lot today about what women grapple with and conceal and why. What are three things that you want women struggling with being their fullest selves or their fullest expressive selves to know? Hmm. So the the first one is that you were made for unlimited amounts of abundance, like in every area of your life. Like there isn't enough health that you can strive for like there isn't like enough money like you're not tapped on money or health or happiness or success in business or in relationships like all of that has no ceiling so again like I said at the beginning don't let anybody make you feel like you can't reach for more of any of those things yep so that's the first one yeah Uh, The second one is that you can design your life to look however you want it to look. So that kind of links into that first one. So you mentioned writing your past self a letter and how healing that was, and I just love that idea so much. Something a little bit similar that I encourage my community to do is to actually future script what they want their life to be, like future script your big vision without limitation and sometimes it helps to do a meditation or a visualization exercise if you're a visual person Um, otherwise you know some people can just literally pick up a journal or a bit of paper and a pen and just kind of write down like even just 10 things 10 things about how I want my life to look and feel and like what would I be doing and and I remember the first time I did this I had things like I'd have fresh flowers every week on my kitchen table. I'd be having a smoothie every day and it wouldn't be rushed to make the smoothie and I would be able to sip it mindfully and like actually enjoy it rather than gulping and getting a brain freeze. I would be taking my children to school and picking them up every day, not rushed, just loving being there and my husband would be accompanying me. Now, when I wrote that, this whole thing, my husband was still in corporate and we had like couldn't ever imagine him not being there um but start you know writing all of those sorts of things and when you get into that type of detail like even engage all the senses in that activity Mm. um you know like I could smell the flowers on my kitchen table like all of those sorts of things and then look at the list 
and kind of be like, okay, what sorts of things from this vision can I actually introduce into my life now? Because that's a choice. And it's like, oh, I could have the smoothies now. Like just going to, you know, adjust a couple of things in the day or whatever to be able to do that or wake up earlier or whatever it might be. And I could have the fresh flowers now. I'm just going to go without something else that I'm not using or something else that doesn't bring me joy. And now all of a sudden I can afford that. Like stop saying I can't afford to have the flowers every week or I uh, getting my hair washed and blow dried every week. That was a thing. Um, And so there are a lot of things that you can like suddenly start like living your dream life in the present moment. And so that was a game changer because literally everything has been brought into my life everything from that scripting exercise, um, including the hubby being at home and the second baby and all of those things. Um, So I would 100% do that. And then my third thing is know that you are powerful enough to choose your own feelings in any given moment. Mm -hmm. And you can even calibrate yourself to how you want to feel in your day. Mm. And start your day by choosing how you want to feel and then watch everything around you shift to give you that feeling or give you that outcome. Mm. So instead of saying, you know, waking up and saying, oh, I'm so tired, I'm going to go to bed earlier tonight. Like how many of us say that? Mm. What if you said, even if, what if you said, I feel energized. Mm. I have more than enough energy for everything that I'm going to tackle today. I feel strong. I'm excited for the day. I'm going to have inspirational conversations today. Yeah. Um, you know, like all of those things start saying just try to calibrate your self to the outcomes that you want to have or the events that you want to take place in your day. And I do that Many times a day, I calibrate myself before I go to the gym. Like, I feel strong. I am going to, like, love being at the gym today. I have enough energy in my body to do whatever this trainer throws at me. Like, I'm happy to be here. Like, I calibrate myself. So you have the power to do that too. Otherwise, if you don't do it, the flip side is what we spoke about earlier, where things happen to you and then your feeling matches what happened to you. Yeah. 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 So they're my three big Yeah, things. they're huge and they're really generous. So if you had to put them into one word, it's like number one is more, number two is scripting and for your future self, and number three is number three is affirming. Yeah, or <laughs> calibrate. Calibrate. Recalibrating, yeah. Calibrate yourself. Yeah. Yeah, incredible. You can do it at a moment's notice. How your day has gone until 1pm does not dictate how the rest of your day goes. I think people can get into this, oh, it's written off now. It's like, well, no, it's not written off if you just take one moment to come down into your body and to make that choice of like, oh, what excites me? What turns me on? What captures my interest? What am I curious about? And it's just takes you take the power back. So thanks. Yeah. For Thank you for that, Tracy. I love, I love them. They're like really incredible, powerful tips. Totally stand by them as well. So it's time for some quick shoot questions. Just if you can answer these questions, just whatever the first thing is that comes to mind. Okay. Um, are you That's ready? That's a dangerous for- game with me. Yeah, yeah, look, <laughs> a little bit of play. Um, Tracy, what's your favourite sensation? Auditory. Like I like hearing things. Oh, okay, okay. Um, what's your favorite secret place? Favorite secret place? <gasps> the beach, like anywhere that I can see a dolphin, like a wild dolphin swimming past. I'm just like, my whole being is connected in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Magic. What's one secret talent you possess? Ooh. <laughs> I am powerful. I have the ability to choose my own energy and affect the energy of others. And I know that I can do that. What's your secret pleasure? Hmm. I don't know. Like like in what sense? (laughs) Sometimes, okay, that question, it's there to turn around what people 
formerly knew as guilty pleasure. Like doing this is my guilty pleasure. Okay. Um, and I feel like if we drop the word guilty, because pleasure shouldn't, pleasure, if it's consensual and it feels good for you, it's not hurting anyone, shouldn't have guilt attached to it. Yeah. Okay. So is it like for me when I was postpartum, I don't know why, but I loved reading those catalogs. <laughs> you get in the book, like just flipping through the catalogs. <laughs> Such a like postpartum thing to do. Like I've got no brain power except for looking at catalogs with items and numbers in them. So what would be, um, yeah, does okay. anything come through? I love watching the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. <laughs> like I wasn't coping when COVID happened and then they couldn't film. I was so sad. I just love them. I love them all. I'm waiting for my invitation to be on the show as someone, yeah. someone's best friend from Down Under. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be watching with popcorn if you're on that show. I'll be like. <laughs> I think I need to hang out with Erica Jane. Get an invitation in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tracy, who's one woman who's really seen you? Oh, my auntie, um, my dad's sister. I wonder if she's even going to listen to this podcast. Highly likely. She knows who she is. Um, I feel like she's always just really seen me, like always. And she knows my heart. She, I feel like we're connected on a soul level. We know each other more than just like in this earthly reality. And like we don't even have to speak all the time. We're just all always energetically connected. Yeah. Yeah. Those relationships with other women are the best. Yeah. The best. They're just... there's so much in the unspoken you don't actually need to speak like you said to feel connected yeah I think we're just energetically sending hugs and love to each other all the time Mm -hmm. last question one-on-one conversation or mingling through a bustling soiree one-on-one conversation (laughs) like there is a reason we went to the south coast for our anniversary getaway because Contrary to what people may believe, I would rather just have quiet and not like heaps of party or bustle around me. And yeah, I have quite a small circle of friends. Mm. Yeah, I just, I crave that intimacy, that that safe space. Yeah, yeah, I feel you. Um, Tracy, thanks so much for being a guest today on the podcast. I'm just wondering where can we find you? Well, thank you, Lauren. This is like one of the most unique interviews I've ever had. And past self Tracy would have felt all kinds of uncomfy answering yeah. questions. <laughs> so I'm sending her a high five. Yeah. Um, It was lovely, really, really lovely to answer the questions. So thank you for the thought that you've put into preparing for this chat. I appreciate it. No problem. It was a joy. Thank you to everyone listening too. And if I've shared anything that you connect with, like I truly mean it, you can send me a DM over on Instagram and let me know Um, or even just come and give me, drop me a little wave, hello emoji. Um, I'm hanging out on Instagram at Mums with Hustle, M-U-M-S, because, you know, Australian. Um, and my website is mumswithhustle.com. And on there, every Monday, you'll find the latest episode of my own podcast mm-hmm. is published. Um, yeah, we're moving into our sixth year of bringing out this podcast every wow. Monday. Crazy. Lauren's been a guest on there as yes, well. Yes, I have. So one something. So I got, yeah, a long I got, time ago now. I can't remember, but scroll back a bit. Scroll back a yeah. bit to I think April 2018 or so, and I'll you'll see my you'll see my face there. Um, so cool. But yeah, yeah we're, that's available on the website mumswithhustle.com. There's a podcast player on there, but you can also listen to the podcast on any good podcast uh, player like iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcast, all of these. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and follow Tracy and you'll find out more about her thriving membership, Social Method Society. It is changing the game for so many women who want to, whether they've got a product-based business or a service-based business, just 
changing the game in terms of how they show up and really building community and monetizing their business so that they can have the freedom that they want and desire. Yeah, it is so much more. I feel like sometimes I'm shortchanging this community and the whole social method framework when I just show up and say, it's a, market, it's a membership for women marketing businesses on Instagram because it is so much more yeah, than that. More. It is so yeah. much more. Um, so, yeah, if you got if you got anything out of this podcast, it's kind of like, well, how do you bring who you are into how you show up for yourself and for your community and your business? Um, because they all need to be, you know, aligned. It all needs to click in if you want to move forward. So, yeah, yeah it's yeah. a bit different, a bit different to other grow your following yeah. types of uh, communities. Yes, yes. Thank you so much, Tracy. You are a beam of light and I could toot your praises all day. I could create a whole other podcast <laughs> episode about it. <laughs> but thank you so much for yeah, being revealing and showing us another way of doing leadership. I truly appreciate you. So thank you. Um, I hope this episode has contributed to your understanding of your secret self. If you enjoyed it, please share it on Instagram and tag me in it so more women can feel seen and understood. And if you never want, want to miss an episode, so then subscribe so you don't miss a whisper.